Today on SCC, the crew discuss Pokemon cards making hobby headlines, and then they talk new sets recently added to Card Ladder. Coming up now on SCC. Welcome to episode 37 of Sports Cards Culture. I'm here with Nick at Stiff Arm Wax, Christina at Christina's PC, Josh at Cardboard Chronicles, and I'm Chris at Chris underscore Hoge. All those handles are Instagram. So before the show, Nick said he has an announcement and I could put it at the beginning of the show or at the end of the show. I figured, why make the people wait? Let's put it at the beginning of the show. What's his announcement? What is your announcement, Nick? So one of my PC players has been leaving little breadcrumbs that he's in a dire situation. Bull bull. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, hashtag... Free Bull Bull. Okay. All right. All right. Mike Williams or, or Mike Malone. Yeah, I'm not going to call Williams. you Michael Malone. Like you want. It's Mike Malone and Coach. Michael. Michael Malone. Michael Malone. My my apologies, Coach. I'll get that right here in the playoffs. Bull Bull needs to be free. Either play him more or trade him to the Mavericks for Porzingis. Defensively, watch out. <laughs> okay. All right. Bull on the roll. And Bull Bull says bye-bye. No. That's no. all I got to say. <laughs> That is, Thank you. That is not the nugget we want. <laughs> yes, it is. He's the next goat. Goat. We're talking bull bull. <laughs> okay. Thank you. If I'd known that was the if I'd known that was the announcement, I would have saved it till the end. But yeah. uh, no, just thank you for that announcement. We are accepting. He made a sign and everything. We, we are accepting bull bull for Porzingis. Uh, we will take that trade. Okay. First topic of today: Pokemon cards in hobby headlines. Christina, don't look at the script. <laughs> Christina? Yeah. Because I know you didn't read it beforehand. No, I did not. How many Pokemon cards do you think were graded by PSA in the month of October? Um. Uh, this is a kind of a wild one to guess on. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. 16,559. Okay, Christina with the 16,000. Nick, why don't you throw a guess in there? Oh, my gosh. I'll tell you this. And this is all I'm going to say. Christina is way off. I'll way say off. 200,000. Okay. According to the Gemrate blog, in October of 2021, PSA graded 193,000. Pokemon cards were the highest graded category last month, surpassing basketball, which had 175,000 cards graded. Baseball had 136,000. Football had 83,000. I mean, I get it. Like When we went to the East Coast and visited my family, we got a lecture from my nine-year-old niece about how we should have more Pokemon cards on the ladder. <laughs> and then she explained all the different realms and areas of Pokemon and she was schooling us hardcore, and I felt I felt shame. Well, I didn't know this thing. She was ahead of the curve. She was because this marks the first time that Pokemon has been the highest graded category by PSA, according to Gemrate. Moreover, Pokemon cards were the only major category to show an increase in cards graded from September to October. Cards from the 1999 Pokemon game set were graded 16,100 times in October. So That's what I was thinking. That, oh, she was thinking about just that set. Just that set. Making it the most graded set of all sets in the hobby. 1999 Pokemon game was the most graded set. That set has now been graded 333,000 times, making it one of the most graded sets of all time. But shockingly, it still has a ways to go before catching 2019 Prism Basketball. 
a set which has been created an astonishing 473,000 times. In an email blast sent out today, PSA's Sports Market Report notes that Pokemon Celebrations, a new set celebrating 25 years of Pokemon cards, was recently released. The set features reprints of iconic Pokemon cards such as the 1999 Charizard. And speaking of Charizard, a few months back in August, PWCC sold a BGS 9.5 gem mint copy of the 1999 first edition Charizard for $150,000, marking the highest price ever paid for that card in that grade. A BGS 9.5 copy has not sold publicly since, but it still has a ways to go before catching the PSA 10 in value, which last sold for $270,600 with golden auctions in September. So, to sum it up, Pokemon is making hobby headlines this week, and although we currently track only a modest amount of Pokemon cards at Card Ladder, we do have coverage over several key cards from the category, like the 99 Charizard. And moreover, one of Cardlighter's founders and hosts of this show, Josh, is a Pokemon collector. So Josh, on the last episode of The Crossover, you remarked that you have strong nostalgia for Pokemon collecting. How did you originally start, originally, from the very first instance, how did you originally start collecting Pokemon cards? Well, we got to get you uh, on the vernacular of Pokemon. Uh, we got to get you saying it right. We got to get you not calling it 1999. It's more commonly known as the base set. Uh, I know you sports guys love to use the year, but we need to have a little bit of Pokemon representation on the show. So I'll 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 make sure Chris understands the uh, the year stuff next time. Um, just kidding, man. Uh, but seriously, uh, I got into Pokemon when I was a very young. Uh, I think I was about 11 when the set came out and I, I collected that more heavily than sports back then because it was just uh, more accessible for for kids my age. The packs were easier to get. Um, it was a little bit more age appropriate for me at that time. So that's where I started and um, it was a lot of fun. It was just like a really, it was a lot easier to put together than sports because sports, you've got all the different sports, you've got sets, inserts, all the, you know, all the different companies and brands. Whereas Pokemon, all you had was base set. There was just one set. There was, you know, not that many cards that you needed to, to finish the set. I believe it was like 110 or 120, something like that. Pretty easy set to put together. And there were still some fun chase cards like the Charizard that, you know, everyone wanted to get. Remember, okay, when you got back into the hobby, you found some of mine, but a bunch of your old Pokemon. What happened That's with right. that? Well, did we, did you, so did you have any, didn't we have like a Charizard in that pack? Yes. Uh, when... I returned to the hobby in 2016. I discovered a whole bunch of Pokemon cards that you and I both owned. And there were two Charizard Hollows from the base set in there. There you go. And I. Not graded, right? None of these were graded. We all needed. raw. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of them was in uh, a screw down, a four screw screw down brick. And I took. The, we actually. I had a fossil set and a jungle set in addition to the base set. And I took all those binders to a card shop. Yeah. And the guy offered us thirty bucks for all three. for all of it. And what? So, and so, and so yeah. I said, he like was flipping through it, and he like paused at one and like looked up at us, and then he looked back down at it, and then like slowly turned the page while looking at us, and like red flags started, like sirens were going off in my head, like. <laughs> so we ended up not selling for 30 bucks and piecemealing out the different sets and doubles on mm -hmm. ebay and making about 500 bucks 
when it was all said and done back in 2016. And 500 bucks in Pokemon cards in 2016 is worth about 15 grand in Pokemon cards today because as we'll discuss in a little bit, the market, at least for Charizard, has over 30 x in the last five years. Christina. Yes. You are, I, I had two questions for you. One of them was, do you know anybody who currently collects Pokemon cards? And you do. Yes. But the other question I have is, did you ever collect Pokemon cards? I did not. I think, like, they're at this age, like, in 1998, 1999, there was, like, a division of children. You were either a Harry Potter wizard or... You went to the Pokemon. Pokemon? Pokemon. 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 A. I can't. Not E. Poke. Uh. Nope. You're not poking um on. Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, I I hear no difference in the way you're. Welcome to our sports card show, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Flipping back over to Josh. Josh, when you returned to the hobby, it was around the time that Pokemon Go was beginning to catch on. Talk about your early experiences upon returning to collecting Pokemon cards in 2016. It was just like pure nostalgia at that time. I just remember playing Pokemon Go and and my first thought was like, let me get back in and finish my base set, finish Fossil and Jungle, the, the three sets pretty much everyone remembers as a kid. And uh, that was what, that's what I did. I, that's where I started. I just, I went and got my binder from my mom's house. Um, and I think we were missing, like, my brother and I were, were building the set together. I think we were missing, like, seven or eight. And, you know, when you're a kid, you sort of, like, fantasize how far you really got. I'm like, we were only missing one, you know? And I got, and it was like, we were missing so many cards. We weren't even that close. We were missing, like, a lot of the difficult ones. The only thing we had really was the Charizard. So, but I finished the set pretty easily and pretty quickly. It was, it's pretty cheap, the, the raw stuff. Let's look at the Charizard Total Market Index in Card Ladder which contains 28 Charizard cards. And we can see a similar story to the sports card market unfold over the last 17 years. So in between 2004 and 2013, Charizard's market roughly doubled in value. Okay, doubled from 04 to 13. From 14 through 16, the market doubled again. So it took about 10 years to double the first time, then it doubles again over the next three years. But then from 2016 to present, the Charizard market increased in value by a factor of 33. So to give just one card as an example, in 2016, the Pokemon base set Hollow Charizard PSA 10 could be had for around $600. The last recorded sale on Card Ladder from just a few days ago was for around 9000 meaning that like sports cards, much of the market growth for Charizard has occurred over the last five years. So, Josh, what are some of the similarities and differences that you've observed in the markets for Pokemon cards versus sports cards over the last five years? Uh, The two markets are very different. And for anyone that's in sports that's thinking about crossing over because, you know, you collect it as a kid and you enjoy it or whatever, I would spend a lot of time uh, doing your homework on Pokemon. It's very different than sports cards. One, there's no serial numbered cards uh, two, it's it's mostly about the sets. They they come out with new sets every few months, and they've been doing that consistently since 1999. So you have to like keep up with all the different sets and understand uh, which cards are you know comprise those sets. Um, and also, the populations are a lot higher on these cards because there's no like there's no serial numbered cards, like I said. So there's they pretty much print a lot of everything, and they print to meet demand. So like the more popular the set, the more they print. So 1999. 
uh, the, you know, the base set was the most popular set, still is, and they printed a ton of that stuff. There is so much. And as you can see in the pop report that Chris pointed out, there's a lot of that stuff graded. Um, and then you have to learn little nuances like, you know, first edition was it was a big variation uh, in the early years of Pokemon, and then they've since gotten rid of first edition. The modern stuff is like way, way high print stuff. Like all the, the PSA 10 pops on some of these modern Charizards are like 4,000. It's like Luka Doncic base card level stuff. There's so much of it. So you really have to understand which stuff is rare, and a lot of it is only rare by population. So you're, that's why you're looking at you know, PSA 10 Charizard stuff being the sort of like the, the most commonly sought after, you know, investment pieces. Um, so you just, you really have to understand all these different differences. The the common stuff, the things that are in common, man, it's hard. Not not much uh, other than like they're both cards and they're both collectible. And they, they have similar like collector bases. Uh, I, I would say that when I got back into basketball, I just remember a lot of people like myself collecting 90s stuff. You know, Chris and I, we got into the 90s stuff because, you know, that's what we collected as kids. It's very similar in Pokemon. People are coming back and they're a little bit younger. Um, so they're kind of just now getting into that, that range where we were a few years ago with basketball. So that's the similarity is kind of the nostalgia and the collector base. Now, what about from the point of view of you as a collector, having done quite a bit of collecting of both sports cards and Pokemon cards, which is more fun? And on the other hand, what are some of the downsides of each relative to the other? I think basketball is more fun. Uh, sports are more fun. There's more, there's more chases. Like it's a lot more difficult to find a lot of things and it becomes like this, this sort of infinite chase with sports. There's never, you really never can have it all. Ironically, that's the catchphrase of Pokemon because it is fairly, if you have like the, the, uh, you know, the, the funds for it, Pokemon is pretty easy to get your arms around unless you just literally like want to collect every card and all PSA tens, like that would be difficult. But most people kind of pick and choose like, Hey, I want to collect Charizard or Pikachu or, you know, some of the more popular ones, and you can really conceivably get all their cards fairly easily and fairly quickly, except for like, obviously the, the, the really old stuff. There is some rare, there is some rare stuff, but I would say sports are more fun because of the chase, the more like collectability of it. Let's get one more uh, plug in here. Obviously, outside of Josh, the rest of us are pretty much novices when it comes to Pokemon cards. Uh, although we do have some experience. We we collect them as kids, obviously, as many, many people did. Except for Christina, who did not, because she was a Harry Potter kid. Uh, so, Josh, who are some of your preferred Pokemon card content creators that uh, people who might be interested in Pokemon could tune into on YouTube or some of the other platforms? The best is SM Pratt. Uh, he's actually what got me into content creation myself. I, I I really looked up to him for a long time. He's very very smart guy, and I actually watch him not just for Pokemon, but like overall collecting advice. Like he's very pragmatic about it, very you know thoughtful in how he collects and where he spends his money, and it's just it's really good content. He literally just like sits in a chair in his like basement. He calls it like the grandma house because he has like a a cheaper house. He just sits there in front of the camera and talks to you about how to invest and buy Pokemon cards and like, you know, how to collect and how to have fun with it. And it's pretty similar to this show, honestly, like he has the same kind of, you know, foundational pieces that he discusses that we do. Um, so that's a great show if you're wanting to get into it. If you want, like a lot of it is different though, because the, the Pokemon is more catered towards kids. So there's a lot of like loud noises and colorful lights. Like a lot of the channels are very, very loud and, you know, they're opening packs and screaming. 
Like I know we have that in sports Leon cards Hart. too, though. To be fair, we have a lot yeah, of yeah. It's just yeah. it's it's different. You, you'll you have to watch. Like Leon Hart is really good. Uh, I would say he's probably the best of that cat, that genre. Those are the kind of the two factions. It's like the, the old school collectors and then like the you know the uh, the top fives. You know. Uh, excited people all right uh and we're working on always expanding the pokemon database and card ladder it's obviously a very important market uh it's undergone quite a bit of growth uh similar to sports cards and obviously people are grading the heck out of them to the tune of hundreds of thousands a month so certainly a market to keep an eye on and you can use card ladder to keep an eye on some of the most important cards from that product if you have cards you would like to uh, recommend or request the card letter. Don't forget to use the submissions portal. There you go. All right. Now, pivoting to first, we had one of Josh's domains at the spotlight. Now we have one of Christina's. Ooh. Insert sets recently added to card ladder. <laughs> nice. As many of you already know, Christina is card ladder's resident insert set researcher. And one of my favorite parts of the card ladder database is that it contains complete coverage of many of the hobby's best insert sets. As far as Ultra Modern goes, Card Ladder tracks every Kaboom card going back to 2013, plus Downtown, Aurora, and the Net Marvels inserts. With respect to the 90s, Card Ladder tracks Jambalaya, Noise Boys, and Hot Numbers sets, just to name a few. Christina, here are the three most recent complete insert sets, meaning every player who has a sale and every grade of that player that has sold is in Card Ladder. Here are three of the most recent insert sets you've added. 2003, EX Jambalaya. Mm -hmm. 1997, Fleer Thrill Seekers. Yes. 1996, Z-Force Slam Cam. Correct. Name all the players in all these three sets in order. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Did anything about these sets catch your interest, or do you have any thoughts you'd like to share on what makes these insert sets unique? I love the 90s insert sets. I think everyone knows that, especially uh, Skybox and Fleer, the arena design inserts. Um, Noise Boys was really fun to add and find the pictures that I preferred. Noise Um, Boys, huh? Yeah, I liked adding Noise Boys. Um, I mean, it would be nice to have one of every card in those insert sets. And they're qu- some of them are quite affordable, aren't they? So, yeah, some so of like, them are. When I was looking at the 1996 Z4 Slam Cam mm-hmm. insert set that you added, and one of the, the, the basically the impetus for adding that was because we were on a live with Ken Golden. Yeah. You, Josh, and I all took turns joining that live, and he opened a box of 1996 Z Force mm-hmm. and he pulled a Carl Malone Slam Cam. He did. Carl Malone. Nice Slam Cam. There you go. That's Slam a cam beautiful Carl card. Malone. Love those very nice. That card sells for thirty dollars. Yeah. Not expensive or cost prohibitive by any means in its raw form. No. So it wouldn't be too Two difficult. Two monthly memberships to Card Ladder. There you go. So it wouldn't be too difficult to build out some of the insert sets. You should probably keep subscribing to Card Ladder instead of getting that card, though. Okay. Well, Christina's investment advice of the day. <laughs> All right, Josh. Uh, will you tell me a little bit? Tell us a little bit about insert collecting. Because you've got a binder full of Penny Hardaway cards from the 90s that includes practically every Penny Hardaway from the best 90s insert sets. What makes insert collecting unique? Oh, I'm going to use your last word there, unique. Inserts are very unique. Um, you know, with the you know the base set and the parallels, I'm just going to use that word all night, base set. Uh, 
I feel like the card companies don't take as much risk with some of those cards because they want to keep your tradition. They want to make sure they get all the rookies. They get the variations. You know, they got the different colors that everybody's looking for. And then you have, uh, you know, like I said, the parallels. But with inserts, uh, these card companies took a lot of risk, especially in the 90s. They really went all out with the 90s designs of the inserts. And they've, they've got crazy names like Jambalaya and Slamcam. And, you know, there's just all kinds of unique things. And the 90s is... Oftentimes, you know, this is one of our pet peeves, Chris. People will call just like all 90s cards inserts. It's just like this blanket thing because it really was like the insert era. And, you know, with Panini, they, they do have some nice inserts. But if you're looking for really cool, unique insert sets, the 90s has so many. I, I, there's no way I can name them all. There's like 10 to 15 really strong sets. I would also like to point out what made the 90s insert uh, game so unique was that even if they used the same title for the insert set, like the next year, it looked completely different. Like yep. I'm thinking off the top of my head, cause I just added this, uh, this past month in October, Golden Touch ran for two years back to back. One was a die cut uh, and looked very different than the following year. So. I, I I really like the 90s insert sets. That'd be as if, you know, because Kabooms go back to 2013. Yeah. That'd be if 2013 Kaboom had a completely different design than 14, which had a completely di- different design than 15 and 16 well, and mean, 17 and that 18. That didn't even happen, though, in the 90s. No, like, they it just did it. stopped after two years. Exactly. Like, it's like two years and they're like, okay, put it away. That's done now. Right. Okay. Do you have plans to add more insert sets to Card Ladder soon? I do. Okay. I have a suggestion. It came to me as I was working on this, so take oh, okay. it or take or leave it. I'll probably leave it. 1993 Ultra Scoring Kings. I couldn't believe we don't have coverage of that set. That's a good one. That is a good one. We have the Michael Jordan, and we may have one or two other players, but we don't have the whole set. So there's right. there's a suggestion. All right. Noted. That's going to do it uh, for today's show. So everyone uh, in the comments, write your favorite 90s insert set, nice. and maybe it'll get added to the ladder. <laughs> there you go. Next. Uh, starting with a message to Michael Malone, proceeding to uh, me qu- quickly learning how to pronounce the word Pokemon. And you got it. <laughs> I got it. I, I'm a quick, st- I'm a quick Poke- study. Pokemon? Pokemon. There's an accent over the E. And then... And then uh, Insert that means sets. nothing to me. That means you know how I remember it. You know, remember the song Pokemon? That's just keep no. that like little. Oh, speaking of that song, the musician, the singer of that song, has been on a tour, uh, going to different card shows, and he was at the Vegas. No, the whatever the show was that our friend Luis was at before the Vegas card show, Houston, Houston, I think it was maybe the singer of that song was there. So. Uh, next card show you go to check the flyer to see if the singer of the Pokemon gotta catch them all song does he like get on the mic and start singing the song yes what and Vanilla Ice was at this last one too and Master P is he a one hit wonder cause I'm I'm sensing that people just like sing that one song now <laughs> I think he is but you know that's better than being a zero hit wonder that's true okay that's gonna do it for this week's sports cards culture See you next week. Thanks for watching. Tell us in the comment section below what the crew should cover next week. And don't forget to subscribe. See you next time in SCC Sports Cards Culture.